1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges.
0: Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise.
2: The man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, are you the man who spoke to this woman? That seems like that's not not very kind. Do you speak to this woman? You know, you would normally say, do you speak to my lovely wife? Do you speak to this woman? But that's just a cultural thing he's, he's doing there. And he said, I am. That's kind of interesting, right? He's the great I am.
1: A Christophany is a manifestation of Christ perceivable by human senses. Being one with God, Jesus shares the quality of being omnipresent or present everywhere. But we can't typically see or hear His physical presence. In today's message, we'll encounter a rare instance of Christ revealing Himself to humans long before He came as an infant in Bethlehem. As Pastor Gary examines this encounter, we'll be reminded of the mysterious and sovereign way that God interacts with us in this life. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 13, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: Well, as we come to chapter 13, we come to the last of the 12 judges who are mentioned in the book of Judges. When we get to 1 Samuel, you'll, you'll see uh, a couple of other judges that are mentioned. But in the book of Judges, there are 12, and we come to the last one. We come to Samson. Again, judges were not these black-robed uh, officials who sat behind a bench with a gavel. Uh, these are military leaders and heroes that God raises up for such a time before the period of the monarchy when God acquiesced to their desire to have a king. It wasn't God's perfect will, but they wanted a king like the other nations around them. So before the monarchy, God helps to rule and to reign over the people of Israel by way of a judge that he will raise up for the purpose of leading the people and fighting the enemies that come against Israel. This last judge mentioned here in the book of Judges is probably one of the most familiar, if not the most familiar of the 12 judges. His name is Samson. If you know his story, you know that he is physically strong, but he is morally weak. He is a he-man with a she-man problem. (laughs) And it's not just any women in particular, he goes after women who are part of the enemy camp. He has an attraction to the Philistine women. He has an attraction you'll see to prostitutes. So this is a, this is an issue. He is physically strong, but he is morally weak. And we're going to see that as we read his story. He's also spiritually weak. It's very interesting when you look at this guy's life. He's a very complex person. There are many people you're going to read about in the Bible. And, you know, last week's study with Japheth was probably one of those where you kind of scratch your head. and You go, how, how did God use a person like this? Because Samson, in addition to being physically strong and morally weak, was also spiritually weak. You never see him or hear about him praying. He never builds an altar. He never sacrifices to God. He never talks to a priest or a prophet. He is extremely, to a fault, independent. He has no army, he has no friends. And yet this is the guy that God uses. He is very courageous. Uh, you'll notice, just to highlight some things, in chapter 14, he tears a lion apart with his bare hands. Also in chapter 14, he kills 30 Philistine men from Ashkelon. In chapter 15, he captures 300 foxes. He ties their tails together. He lights them on fire and scurries them through the the grain fields of the Philistines, setting the whole grain fields on fire. Also in chapter 15, he breaks ropes that bound him. He finds a fresh jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand men using the, the jawbone of the donkey. And in chapter 16, the people of Gaza had trapped him in their city, and they're waiting to capture and kill him, and he simply goes to the locked gate of the city of Gaza, rips it off its hinges, throws it up over his shoulder, and walks up a mountain with it and dumps it off. So this is that kind of a he-man with a (laughs) she-problem. And he's, you know, physically strong, morally weak, and spiritually weak also. But, you know, he lives a very courageous life, does a lot of courageous things for God. But sadly, if you're familiar with his story, he dies a very humiliating death. And this is the guy that God chooses to use. And God's going to use him in such an incredible way that Samson ends up making it in the list of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He gets mentioned there. As a man who had a lot of faith in following the Lord. Which just goes to show you really that you can be a flawed person with some strengths and weaknesses and yet God still sees fit to use us. And so as complicated as this guy is, as complex as he is, as duplicitous often as his life is, uh, this is a guy that God chose to use so let's take a look at his story here. We'll get an introduction to it and through chapter 13 and um, hopefully through about half of chapter 14 today. So chapter 13, verse 1, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So this is the cycle we've been looking at for the last many weeks that we've been through the book of Judges. This is the last time we're going to see this phrase that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, this cycle indicates how things were going well with them as long as they were following after the Lord, where there was a judge who was ruling and kind of giving them leadership. They did well. But then... You know, there's a a leader who dies and they fall into idolatry. They worship these pagan gods of their neighboring nations and then Israel sends their uh, enemies against them to oppress them. And that's what's happening here. So once again, after the death of the previous judges at the end of chapter 12, it mentions Ibzan and Elon and Abdon. There's this lull. And so during the lull, the people of Israel fall back into their old ways. They start worshiping these false gods, bowing down to these idols. And so God subjects them To the Philistines, the Philistines are the perennial enemies of the Israelites. And so here come the Philistines. Well, as they have been subjected now to 40 years of oppression by the Philistines, they again, the Israelites cry out to God and God's going to raise up Samson. So here we go. Verse two. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites. So that tells us what tribe Samson belongs to, the tribe of Dan, whose name was Manoah. So this is Samson's father. And his wife, this is Samson's mother who was unnamed in the Bible. We don't know her name. Manoah and his wife, his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. All right, so pause there for a moment. So you're introduced here to Samson's parents, Manoah, and his mom, who was unnamed. What we come to find out about his mom is that she's not been able to conceive uh, children. Uh, she's not the only one in the Bible. You have Hannah that God uses to bring forth. Samuel, we'll read about her later. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, the, the mother of John the Baptist, in her old age, she conceives. And so this is not unique to uh, this one story here. You see that a few different places in the Bible. Where women are having difficulty having children, and then God comes along and opens their wombs, and then they bring forth a, a child that God uses. And this is one of those stories. And Samson is the only one of the twelve judges that we that we learn about his life before he's even conceived. All the other judges were introduced to the previous eleven. We were introduced to as adults that God had chosen, but God goes all the way back in the story of Samson. And says, even before he was conceived, God had a purpose and a plan for this for this man's life. And so the angel of the Lord appears to his mother. Now we're gonna see here in the story that as often is the case, when you read that phrase, the angel of the Lord, particularly with the direct article, the not just any ordinary angel, but the angel of the Lord, that this is none other than the Lord God himself, who appears in the old testament by taking on human form. And so this is what's called a Christophany, an appearance of Christ. Before Jesus came, born of a virgin, as God implanted by the Holy Spirit uh, his seed into the womb of Mary, that's when Jesus takes on flesh and comes in among us and dies for us. But Jesus has always existed, being co-eternal and co-equal with God. And there are times in the Old Testament, before Jesus enters into the human race through Mary, that Jesus appears, and Jesus appears being referred to as the angel of the Lord. Now, we're going to see later in the story how we know more clearly that it really is him, but for the moment, just kind of tuck that away, that this is this is the Lord who appears to Manoah's wife here and gives her this encouraging news that you're going to bear a son. And then she is told here by the Lord that he is to be a child that is dedicated to God by way of a Nazarite vow. And by the way, the Lord says to Samson's mother at the same time, you were to live by the same standard. So in effect, she is under a Nazarite vow also, at least for the duration of the pregnancy. We don't know that she was to live it out the rest of her life, but at least for the duration of the pregnancy, she was to take a Nazarite vow. For Samson, he was to live under a Nazarite vow for his entire life. So what is or who is a Nazarite? If you want to hang a left and go back to the book of Numbers, I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 6, the first eight verses where God explains exactly what the Nazarite vow is. Numbers chapter 6, first eight verses, this is what it says. And then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, now notice this, this is the end of verse 2, to separate himself to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. Verse four, all the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy and then he shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister, when they die. Because the separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. So, back here in Numbers 13. Who or what is a Nazarite? Well, in a phrase, it is someone who took a vow of separation from the world and dedication to God. That's what someone was considered who took a Nazarite vow. It was a, it was a consecration to the Lord and a separation from the rest of the world and worldly ways. And there were three things in particular that one who took a Nazarite vow had to abide by. And so here they are. Number one, there was to be no eating or drinking anything from the grapevine. No wine, grapes, grape juice, raisins, anything from the grapevine. Now, it was mainly regarding anything fermented, but the entire grapevine was off limits to eliminate any possibility whatsoever of being intoxicated. That's why in number six, God was even specific to say, don't even eat the skins of the grapes. I don't, I don't want you to even eat the skins like that's how much you're to avoid anything related to the grapevine Because the real issue was don't go anything near that could potentially be intoxicating If you're going to take this valve separation wine is off limits anything related to the grapevine period No, no grape jelly nothing The second thing that we read there in number six was no cutting of the hair. Now, the reason why they were told not to cut their hair was so that it would be a constant and regular reminder that they were under this vow. So it, you know, there was nothing particularly sacred about the hair itself. And by the way, even though if you know anything about Samson's story, that when his hair is cut, he suddenly becomes powerless. It's not that there was power in the hair. We'll talk more about it when we get to that part. This was simply an external sign that you were under a Nazarite vow. It was a reminder to you. It was, a, it was an indication to other people. Now, for ladies in particular, they may not notice you haven't cut your hair. But for men in particular in that culture, they would trim their hair. If you never trimmed your hair during the period of the vow, people would notice it was part of the Nazarite vow. And then thirdly, there was to be no contact with any dead body. The one under a Nazarite vow was not to go anywhere near a dead body. That's what number 6, verse 6 said. Not even near. And it even said, you're excused from the funeral of your mother, father, brother, or sister. Because you can't even go near them. And it was, again, all part of this idea of contamination. There's to be no intoxication, no contamination. So there's supposed to be separation uh, from the world, devotion unto God. Okay? So that's what all this is about, the Nazarite vow. Now, in the Bible, either a man or a woman could take a Nazarite vow. Most examples we have of Nazarite vows are men. But remember, Samson's mother was under the directive that she should be under a Nazarite vow, at least for the duration of the pregnancy. And the vow would be ended when you would cut your hair. When it was the end of your vow, when you were done... You would cut your hair, and that would be the end of the Nazarite vow period. Normally, the period of the vow was predetermined. Like, you would, you would decide you're gonna be under a vow for, and if you look in the Jewish mission, the Jewish Mishnah, which is not in the Bible, it's just a Jewish, an ancient Jewish commentary on the Old Testament scriptures. The Jewish Mishnah said typically a Nazarite vow was for 30, 60, Uh, Or a hundred days so you would predetermine you'd be like you'd be like, you know what I just want to kind of consecrate myself to the Lord I've been living too much in the world. I'm gonna take a nazirite vow for the next 30 days say You wouldn't cut your hair. You wouldn't do anything related to the grapevine You wouldn't go near dead bodies you and and so you would be consecrated to the Lord And 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 you would determine that it was something you could self-determine I want to do a 60 day. I want to do a hundred day whatever amount it was now samson was unique in that what God wanted of Samson was his entire life. For his entire life, not 30, 60, or 100 days, for his entire life, he is to be under a Nazarite vow. And what we're going to find out when we read through these chapters here is that he ends up violating, or at the very least, seriously compromising all the conditions of the vow that are supposed to separate him unto the Lord. So... This is his story. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. So the woman came, this is Samson's mother, and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born so, you know, so Mrs. Manoa, we'll call her Mrs. Manoa because she's got no name here. So Mrs. Manoa comes to Manoa and says, you're never going to believe this. I was out in the fields. This angel of the Lord appeared to me and I don't even know where he's from. I didn't even get his name. But he said, I'm going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. And he's to be under a Nazarite vow. And Manoa goes, did you get anything more out of him? No, I didn't get anything more of it. an address, an email, something, nothing. I didn't get anything. Twitter, something, nothing. I didn't get a thing. So he, so then he starts praying, oh God, I want to see this guy, you know, I, I want to hear for myself, would you please cause him to reappear? Well, verse 9 says, and God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came, but look, not to, not to Manoah, the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? That seems like that's not very kind. Do you speak to this woman? You know, you would normally say, Do you speak to my lovely wife? Do you speak to this woman? But that's just a cultural thing he's doing there. And he said, I am. That's kind of interesting, right? He's the great I am. You see here a revelation of who this angel is. We'll see it even further in a moment. And Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So, like, give me a little instruction. How am I going to raise this kid? We've never had any kids. I'm not sure what to do. They don't come with an instruction manual. I'm really desperate here. What's going to be the rule of this kid's life? And what will he end up doing? What will be his work? What's going to be his career here? Okay. It's like a good dad asking those kind of questions, right? And so, verse 13, so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. So it's like, stay for dinner. You know, we, we want to learn more. So, that, you know, they're excited about this. And and so it's not every day like the Lord shows up, you know, and, and so he's like, we want to we want to cook dinner for you. We'll prepare a young goat. And it says in verse 16 that the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. Notice, for Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. So it's interesting. So the Lord says here, I'm not going to eat your food. Thank you very much for your hospitality. I'm not going to stay for dinner. But you can make a burnt offering. If you want to sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord, it is verse 17, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel, here we go, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Isaiah 9, 6, And his name shall be wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's just revealed who he is in that statement right there. Why do you want to know my name? My name is wonderful. That's Isaiah 9:6. So he is revealing himself as the Lord, as the great I am. And so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord, to the Lord, And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. Look at this. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, now this is even more clear, look at this, we shall surely die, he thinks, because we have seen God.
1: Our days are sometimes filled with nonstop movement, aren't they? The pastors, staff, and community here at Cornerstone Connection don't want you to miss out on nuggets of wisdom from God's Word. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can connect with us from anywhere. Interested in hearing more? Go to cornerstoneconnection.cc, where Pastor Gary Hamrick has more audio messages for you to tune into. Scroll down until you see the space that says Teaching Library. Once there... We've made it as simple as possible to search by topic, speaker, or book. We pray that you'll be uplifted and encouraged in your walk with Jesus. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to stop by. We have Sunday services at 8.30, 10, and 11.45. Is the middle of your week more free? Come join us on Wednesday evenings then at 7. Were you blessed by what you heard today? Would you consider donating some of your resources? If so, it's pretty simple. You can use our mobile app or click on the Give Now tab found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to our next time together, right here on Cornerstone Connection.
2: They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go but still, you know in, in, but still, you know. You're not a.